Welcome to Thinking Christian. I'm your host, James Spencer. After completing my PhD in theological studies and working in higher education and Christian nonprofit ministry for more than a decade, I became convinced that the world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. Thinking Christian is a daily podcast intended to counteract those stories by highlighting the work God is doing in the lives of women and men in the United States and around the world, and by questioning the social, cultural, and political assumptions that may be hindering the church from conforming more closely to the image of Christ. On Thinking Christian, we engage in calm, thoughtful, theological conversations because, as Hebrews 12.28 tells us, we live in an unshakable kingdom. Our goal is to help you as you seek to point to and glorify Christ. If you're a Christian who wants to grow spiritually by considering God's word and God's work in the lives of other believers, this podcast is for you. Subscribe to Thinking Christian on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcast fix. I want to say that I, I was really impressed with what I've read about uh, uh, your ministry with your wife, and uh, this has been uh, really exciting to see. You know, I, I've been through, as a Met fan, I've, been, I've seen the valleys and I've been to the mountaintop, and you were part of, the, you were part of both sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, by 1983, I was, I was hoping that you would be there for many years, uh, and, uh, and, and then by 1993, I was praying for you that uh, that you would find your purpose and uh, i'm uh, you know I, I think about those those uh those med teams uh that had so much promise and uh, you know we were just talking about that now um and then um just because of those obstacles of life how many things were uh, seemed wasted at the time but in every low season in my life i i think of you because uh, you learned how to turn it around just reading that really filled my heart. I'm really happy to see what God's done in your life. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, and you think about it. Um, what I love about God is God doesn't waste anything. Um, I, I think it's our lives that end up with the broken pieces and, and we need hope in our life. And there's only one hope is finding the Savior. And, and that's a process. You know, that wasn't an overnight miracle. Uh, I wish I could sit here and say I, I wish it would have been done a different way, but it had to be done the way it was done. Uh, and I understand that more than anything today, um, after uh, going through uh, the life of trials and tribulations and uh, c- coming to the top of the mountain and going to the bottom of the pit uh, probably was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I, there's only one thing when you go down to the bottom is Either you look up and you find the symbol of the cross or you continue to go in the same direction. And throughout that process, I looked up and I was able to find the cross and able to find freedom you know, through Christ. And I'm forever grateful for that. Mm. How long, if you don't mind me, how long have you been out of baseball? How long have you been? Well, maybe I'll ask two part question. How long have you been out of baseball and how long have you been doing your ministry? Well, I've been out of baseball almost 23 years now um, I think um, from the time of playing and everything that I had to experience it's been 12 or 23 years since I've been around baseball and and it was I've been out for a very long time I just kind of went back this year and went to spring training with the Mets this year and new ownership and you know I, I just had a bitter taste in my mouth you know with baseball not all of baseball but with the Mets organization for a long time. And I had to get over that. That was my own issue. And I had to get over 
and and to be able to get over that, to be able to go back into baseball and see baseball from a totally different perspective now. And, you know, that's a joy to be able to understand it from this side. And and being in ministry, you know, we've been in ministry. We've had our ministry over 20-something years. Um, I just started preaching about 16 years ago when God called me to go full-time ministry. But me and my wife have always had a heart for people and hurting people and broken people that are lost in, especially in the the same kind of place that we have been in addiction. And we know that it's an epidemic across the nation and people are hurting from all 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 kind of walks of life, but understanding the importance of going back and being able to encourage people and encourage them through our faith. It was our faith that made us well. Um, we tried everything and I tried everything and I never got well trying everything from a natural standpoint. It wasn't until I went to the supernatural and entered into that relationship with Christ. And that's when, you know, my life really started to change. And I started to focus on something greater than what I achieved as a baseball player. So what kind of audiences do you usually speak to? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I do a lot of men's conference uh, and okay. I preach in a lot of, I preach in a lot of churches, um, uh, across the country. Uh, I travel probably like 260, 70 times out of the year. Um, I, my schedule is loaded. I, I didn't know that God calling would be so good and it would be so great to be able to help the multitude of people. And I just remember when God was calling me, um, him speaking to me and saying that, you know, I, I'm going to make you evangelist and I want you to go study Billy Graham and I want you to understand what an evangelist is and uh, how to go in and be bold and preach the gospel. And, and I've never looked back, you know, and it's, it, it's been a, it's been a great run. And I, sometime I got to, I thought I had to like really pinch myself when you know, like that when I was playing baseball, <laughs> but you got to really do that when, you know, when you really work for the Lord and, and, and see what uh, his purpose is for and the multitude of people that he called you to help and bring back to him. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Daryl, I, I want to say too, uh, you know, I, I've been following you, I think, uh, 1983, your rookie year uh, with the Mets. Um, it was around that time. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I wondered what was it, what was it like to be, I mean, you were, you were very young. Uh, at the time, um, what was it like to be, you know, suddenly you're, you're thrust into the show, right? So, um, and the temptations. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it was very challenging. Um, I think it was something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a professional athlete and to be able to get to the major leagues at a young age, at the age of 21 and kind of be, just thrown into that New York atmosphere, the lifestyle. And I just remember my rookie season, um, I got off to a really rough start and I was struggling and it was really hard. But I had one coach that was there and it was the hitting coach, Jim Fry. And I was supposed to be at the ballpark early. I love telling the story because I was supposed to be at the ballpark early at one o'clock and I didn't show up till like three o'clock. And he got in my face when I got to the ballpark and he said, if you ever want to be great at this game, you'll be at this ballpark every day early. And from that day forward, I was at that ballpark every day early. So he kind of pushed me into my greatness and he helped me understand that it's important to be here to continue to work no matter how talented you are. Um, but players, the players I was playing with were older players. So there was a, it was a bad team. They were in last place and no, nobody was going anywhere from those players that I was playing with. Most of them was on their way out. So I realized yeah. quickly that it was a business. They were in the business 
part of it. They were just making their money and they were moving on. And I just got introduced to all the wrong things. You know, I just remember a veteran player on my first road trip, a veteran player um, sent me to the bathroom, said, welcome to the big league, kids. I never mentioned his name, but welcome to the big leagues. And there it was, he introduced me to cocaine. And I went back there and I hit it and I liked it. And I thought, hmm, this is nice. And then they first road trip, they took me out. They said, put your bags leave him at the hotel and take him up to your room when the bags come and meet us down in the bar. So I met him down in the bar and he took me out to this nice club. And there it was, they showed me the life of, you know, a bunch of girls and drinking and partying and hanging out. And that's how I got introduced, you know, and the reason why I say that is because I was broken on the inside. My father was an alcoholic and my father rejected me. And my father used to beat the living crap out of me. And when he came home for the last time, when I was about 14 years old, he pulled out a shotgun, said he was going to kill the whole family. So had it not been for my mother getting me and my brothers out of that house that night, which my brother, Ronnie, picked up a butcher knife. And my other brother, he was chasing around the table and I picked up the frying pan. And my mother told us to get out of the house. And she gave us a look that she meant, like, get out of the house. Because right there, I just believed there could have been a tragedy in my life. Uh, it could have went the wrong way. And I always say my pain led me to my greatness. My greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. But my father said I would never amount to nothing. And these guys showed me the life. And when I got to the big leagues and all that happened so fast, I thought I have arrived because my father said I would never be anything. And here it is was these guys were accepting me as being Daryl Strawberry, a baseball player. And I thought, this is it. This is the, this is the life I want. And this this is the way I got introduced to Major League Baseball. Of course, it was the wrong way, but I thought for myself, uh, I'm happy because my father said I wasn't nothing, and these guys accepted me. Was that a pretty consistent activity for you? And I mean, that's just the way baseball kind of went, or did it calm down and you know, you know, did it slow down and speed up as you went through your career? I mean, what did that look like? It was pre- it was pretty fast paced, fast moving. I mean. The drugs wasn't there early early in my career. I just tried it a couple of times, you know, when I was with those guys, and that, that was it. And I, and I went on off into another direction, and I got serious about playing, and I wanted to be the best player that I could be. And But the alcohol was still there. I was always drinking, and I was always a womanizer. I was always chasing women at night. And even if I was married, you know, I was still on the road. I was always in the clubs and chasing after girls and drinking all night and, and partying and that's just the way I learned how to do it. It was, it was a way of life, you know, because I realized that I didn't have anything else inside of me because I was so empty on the inside and I hated my father and and the rejection uh, that he gave to us uh, left me broken. And I always tell people brokenness is real. I tell them lawlessness brings about brokenness and it just continues to bring a broken generation until someone breaks that off of the family. Of course I have broken that off of my family and my kids, but I went through it my whole entire career being broken and empty on the inside. And people say, well, you had everything. Yeah, I had everything from a a worldly perspective, but I never had anything from a peace perspective. And that's a big difference in your life when you're playing sports and you're accumulating all these earthly things and living behind community gates and everybody think you should be well because you got a big bank account and you should be well. Listen, money doesn't make you happy. Money provides for you and buy you things, but it doesn't make you happy on the inside. You know, and I think that's what a lot of celebrities don't understand. You can get all the success you want, all the trophies you want. At the end of the day, you still go home and you look at that stuff sometimes to yourself and you're still empty on the inside. You know, there's only one person can fill that empty void on the inside of 
all of us, and that's Christ himself. You know, the rest of us search for everything else. And I, I didn't realize that that would be the fulfilling of my life. My life is full, you know, after knowing that Christ is Lord over my life, you know, regardless of how successful I, I looked in those times, I was never fulfilled on the inside. And, it, and when you're never fulfilled, you're always chasing after more, chasing after the next to be better, to be bigger and to do more and to do more. And then when you get to the top of the mountain, you realize that no one is home. Well, James, uh, that was Daryl Strawberry, of course, and we had a great conversation with him. And uh, we have more uh, coming up. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about uh, good influences like Gary Carter and others uh, who were good influences, but none other than his mother, uh, who was uh, really uh, one of his biggest influences. And, uh, you know, as you raise a child... We'll be back after these messages. I mean, I love the passage when you're talking, I go back to the passage where Paul says, you know, I've learned to be content in want and in riches. And um, it really is true. We have to learn to be content and we can't learn to be content without Christ. Doesn't matter what we have. Doesn't matter how comfortable our lives look from the outside. There's just something in us that uh, if we don't learn that contentment, if we don't have Christ in our hearts and we're not living our lives for him, we're never going to have that sort of peace and contentment that you're talking about. How were you? How were you introduced to Christ? Like, you know, what was your journey there from a religious perspective? Well, I was always introduced to Christ. You know, looking at my mother. My mother was a very faithful woman and went to church. And you know, after she divorced my father, she never remarried. And uh, she remarried. She was married to the church. She was married to God, and and she lived according to the biblical principles. And she never tried to preach to us. She was just a living example. And, and, and I know that. And that's why I sit here today, because when I look back over my life and realized that my mom was the leaving the legacy for her kids, uh, that Jesus is Lord, why we were living heathen lifestyles and lost and broken. Uh, she was living a life of faith and she passed away at the age of 55 from terminal breast cancer. And when she passed away, my sister finds a journal under her bed. And in the journal, she's praying to God while she's dying. She's praying to God over her kids. And when she got to me in the journal, in the prayer, she prayed, her prayers to God was, please knock him off of his throne. And I I just, I know the day will come when, when I see her, I'll be able to give her the biggest hug and, and thank her for always praying for us. And because my mother wasn't, she wasn't crazy about my baseball career or my success and everything. She was happy mm-hmm. for me, but she was more concerned about my salvation. She was more concerned that I would find my way uh, to the cross. And I just remember when she was dying and I was over there in the bed before she passed away one night and she asked me to pray for her. And I prayed for her and she said, hmm, you could pray. She said, the Lord just spoke to me. She said, the Lord said that he's going to get it out of you. She says, you're going to go through it, but he's going to get it out of you. And I just, 
I, I just looked at it. I said, mom, don't tell me, don't tell me that. You know, I, I was at the time I said, mom, I got, I need a drink, you know? And she was like, Oh, you go right ahead, but he's going to get it out of you, you know, because <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been praying for you and I'm going to continue to pray for you. So I always tell people that mama had to die so we can live her kids. Mm. You know, when she, when she crossed over, she left a legacy to us that her faith was the most important thing. And that's what I got to see. And that's why I believe I'm living today the legacy that she prayed for, that God would save me. And she never turned away from the fact that her kids was the most important thing. And um, I got my Christian walk was from seeing my mother. And then 91 and 1991, I went to a more surreal crusade in Anaheim, California. Uh-huh. And I got saved in that crusade. I mean, I got saved that Sunday. I went there for four nights and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ all three of those nights. And sa- Sunday came and Morcerilla says, anyone to come, want to come down, I'm going to lay hands on you. And the Lord wants to do a miracle in your life. And I went down uh, with thousands of people and he laid hands on me and the power of God came over me. And some guy looked at me, says, I don't know who you are. But he says, God has called you. And I just thought, oh, my God, he sounds just like my mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, your your mom sounds like an amazing woman. And that's a fantastic legacy to have to keep up. I mean, um, it sort of reminds me there's a great story about Dion Moody when he's uh, on his deathbed and his kids are gathered around him. And he says to him, um, I've always been a- ambitious, um, but not ambitious to leave you with great wealth, but to leave you with a lot of work to do. And he starts divvying out what he wants each one of his kids yeah. to do with this, these various ministries he's built over the years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, your story reminds me very much of that with your mom, just sort of saying, Hey, listen, you're not, you know, you do you, but ultimately God's got something more for you. Fantastic. Yeah, it was, um, it's so real, you know, to be able to really actually look back over it and realize uh, what she was doing. She was covering us in prayer and little did I know that I would come to that place and really get saved and changed. And, you know, it was a process. Even when I got saved, I, I didn't immediately click in, you know, I went through another 15 years lost because I never went through the discipleship. You know, and I think yeah. that's what people don't understand. Discipleship is so important. The Bible talks about it. My people perish because of lack of knowledge and my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And you know, we are destroyed because you have no knowledge. I have knowledge of earthly things, but I don't have knowledge of biblical principle. And it wasn't until I went through that process and then I had to sit for seven years to go through the discipleship pro- process when I got back into church because my wife, Tracy, was the one who would lead me back into church after many years of struggling with addiction and drugs. And, and womanizing and, and lost, just completely lost. Um, and she was pulling me out of dope houses in South Florida. And she she had got saved. And she was saying that God has a plan for you. And I was saying, well, I want you and that God just leave me here and let me die. And she just looked at me one time and goes, you're just not that lucky. And I, I thought to myself, oh, my God. She, she, I was like, thought she was crazier than me, you know, <laughs> to be coming and chasing me down and telling me that God has a plan for me. <laughs> and little did I know that, God is never going to do anything different. He's going to always do what he's always done. He's going to always use people to help people. Um, that's his biggest gift, you know, to be able to help someone else is use one of the people that who is walking with him, loves him, 
and that can lead a person back uh, to their faith. And I think that's what happened. She led me back into church. And from there, we spring forward and everything just started to uh, started to go in a different direction. I got serious. I got in church. I separated myself from everybody. And I just went into a place of consecration and I saturated myself in the word. And uh, I stayed out of the lifestyle for many years. And everybody thought I was crazy. I was saying, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they saying, yeah, let's see how long it's going to last. Well, it's been 20 years now and they still sitting waiting for me to come back because they just don't understand that the biblical principles. And when you do decide to surrender yourself to Christ, and do uh, God's will and not your own will, your life changes forever. So uh, I, I always say to myself that you know, God has a plan. It's just a matter of man getting out of the way and let God plan work instead of his own plan. You know, as somebody who's traveled a lot for work over the years, I, I did some work as a consultant. And so I was on the road an awful lot, lived away from home an awful lot. Um, you know, I can only imagine how difficult that discipleship process actually was when you're sort of, destabilized in that way. Did you find that to be problematic? I mean, you know, constantly traveling and, and sort of just the inconsistency that comes with that travel. I always felt a little unrooted when I had to do it. You know what I mean? There wasn't like a, I knew I had a home base, but I was seldom there. And, and so how did you manage, uh, you know, sort of getting away from the lifestyle, doing the discipleship that you're talking about? What did that look like as you're sort of continuing to travel and continuing to do these different things? That's a good question, you know, and the thing about it was, is my wife, you know, she was so good and, and, the, and the point of her life, she was, she was settled in with who she was in Christ and, and how she was um, being discipled by God. And I used to watch her and she would get up every morning at 530 and she goes downstairs and she studied the word and she'd be with God. And, and, and I just like, God, I'm not getting up at 530 in the morning, you know, uh, but I, I <laughs> but I realized that I had to do something different. And that's when I started saturating myself and locking myself up in a room and, and just being with God and hiding out with God. Because I realized that God cannot reveal himself to you if you do not know him. And she knew him. She had a relationship with him. So I needed to have that own personal relationship with him. And so I wasn't really traveling at that time. It was okay. a foundation that was being built. And I thank God for it because Every time somebody wanted to call me for something and, and do something and come and speak, my wife, she was so funny. She would like tell him, well, no, he's not coming. He's not ready yet. You know, he's not ready to go in front of a group or go to a church or, or stand in a pulpit to talk about God. So God had put that hedge of protection around me through her to really let me just soak in the word of God and, and be alone with God and spend the time that I needed to spend to develop. And when I say develop, you have to develop the character of God inside of you. Not just, I don't want to be in that place anymore where I'm just someone talking about Jesus saying his name, but I'm denying his power and I'm denying the finished work on the cross. So I had to learn about all of that stuff before I was able to go back out there. And, and those years were, uh, those years were the most challenging years of my life because what God was mm. doing was God was really stripping me. And also at the same time, he was cleansing me. And, mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for that. I went through that process because a lot of people don't want to go through that process. You know, they want that instant gratification fix and they want to be on the speaker and the platform. And, and I think the Lord spoke to me about understanding the importance of the time that I needed to develop and grow because he was saying where I'm going to send you, you need to be equipped because if you're not equipped, 
the devil's going to put a choker on you and he's going to kill you. And, and, and when you don't realize that, I think uh, you get out there and you may sound good, you may sound great, but if you really not grounded and have that foundation to go out there and travel and do these things and live according to the biblical principles, you're going to fall back into your own self. You're going to want to be about you. And I didn't want to be about me anymore. I, I had been that way for playing major league baseball and, and people applauding me and cheering me because I was Dow Strawberry great and winning and success and championship. But who am I as a man? You know, and that was the most important part of the transformation that I needed to understand. I needed to understand that God was trying to make me the man that he wanted me to be so I would have the character when he put me in the platform to go out there and speak about who he is. Nice. So, uh, so Daryl, on uh, on on that uh, renewing your mind on a daily basis, which uh, Romans 12, uh, when... Um, what what is that like for you? I, I was, it might not be at five thirty in the morning, but uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I mean it, that's that that's really what you need to prepare yourself for uh, whatever is hitting you on that that obstacle course every day, right? That is so true. Uh, renewing your mind was being being separated from everything. Um, and, I, and I think that's what's important. A lot of people don't want to do that part. They want to continue to be a part of the worldly things. And if, for me, it had to be where I couldn't be a part of those things anymore. I couldn't go around with all the guys that I played ball with and really uh, having the conversations and talking about the same thing. I had to renew my mind through the word. I had to wash it. I had to let the let the Lord wash me and cleanse me from all of those things because those thoughts are all, all our natural thoughts and God thoughts are not like ours and his ways are not like ours. And so I had to learn to live according to his ways and understanding of, you know, be still and know that I'm God, you know, I, those kind of things like that were important when I started learning the importance of the word is, is, is learning scriptures and learning how to live through the scriptures, not learning how to live through my flesh or my own ideas. I had to learn how to live according to what the word of God was teaching me. And for me, that was just a lot of time away from everybody and everything. And it was, a, and I think I started volunteering. That's what the Lord told me. Uh, go volunteer and do something to get over yourself. Cause you got to get over yourself. If you really want to do God's will, it can't, can't be no longer about you and what you think and your ideas. And I had to get over myself and I had to, learn to go do things like going into the detention center and speaking to young kids about my life and telling them that you do not want to um, go down these roads because it's, it's a dead end road and living according to God's will will change everything about you. So I started doing a lot of those things for a very long time. And, and it wasn't not a whole lot there uh, to go out and speak about, you know, at the, at that particular time, because I was still growing in the word and the transformation was still taking place. And, you know, I had, I had my wife, she, she really protected me from that, that life, you know, because she know that I had come, I had come out of that life. So she didn't want me to go back into it unless I was, was fully equipped and had the biblical principles down inside of me, because if you don't have them down inside of you, you're going to stray back into those ways. And I didn't really want to go back into those ways. So I say it was a lot of downtime, a lot of lonely time, but I'm, I'm grateful for the downtime and the lonely time because it made me a better man and made me understand um, how to live under God's principles. 
You're listening to Thinking Christian here on Life Audio. I'm Richard Beatty. Uh, this is a show from uh, Dr. James Spencer from the Moody Center. And uh, we are going to have Daryl Strawberry back uh, tomorrow for the rest of that interview. Uh, you won't want to miss that. What a great time to be listening these stories about baseball uh, during the playoffs and almost the World Series. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're going to continue that conversation. And uh, Gerald had a lot of great things to say. We'll see you tomorrow. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.